Welcome to the most awesome podcast experience in this universe. Signs, cosines, and tangents. And me. <laughs> so I tried to mix it up. I told you I wasn't going to mess it up. I got it right. I, na- I got the you, name right. You got it through. All the way through. You said all three things. Oh, wait. I was supposed to trade. Yeah. That's in the script. I keep forgetting and to read that. Technically, you screwed it up. No, it's actually what I try to do every time it's my turn to screw it up. Have you not figured this out yet? Oh. It's it's one of my endearing qualities. I'm a dick. <laughs> Wait, this is my thing. I, I can't be wrong. It's your show, man. Well, it's our show. I mean... You don't get top billing or anything, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are part of it. You know, I mean... I do all the behind. I'm the behind. The, I'm the computer guy. You're the computer guy. <laughs> yes, you're the sound engineer. <laughs> you're the producer. You're you're the the what was the name of that chick that used to be with Howard Stern? What, what Robin? You're Robin. That I've makes me Batman be Robin. because I will always be Batman if somebody asks me if I should be Batman. And speaking of Batman, what what about Batman? Did you hear they're going to make a new Joker film starring the Joker? Without Batman? Without Batman. So they can't make Batman films without the Joker. Without Jared Leto. Without Jared Leto. Okay, now you've got my interest. It doesn't take place in the DCU. What? Martin Scorsese's involved. <laughs> All right, and you're just making this up. No, this is a thing. All right, so you just told me. Let's just recap this. Yeah. They're making a movie focused on the origin of the Joker. Correct. It is not part of the new continuity they've worked so hard to build. And destroy. No. And it doesn't star Jared Leto. No. And Martin Scorsese is going to be the director? Yep. Okay. Is this like Taxi Driver the sequel? I don't know. I mean, I you could kind of go back and look at De Niro's performance in you Taxi know, Driver and see an, a, a proto-Joker in that. I guess maybe with the whole criminal... See, it would be cool to make Martin Scorsese to make like a criminal, like the mob movie in Gotham, like Batman origin story. That might actually be interesting. Or year one. Yeah. Which was actually like that. Exactly. But no, this is the Joker. Well, the Joker was in year one. Yeah. But this is about the Joker. Oh, no. No, we don't need a Joker movie about the Joker. Villains by themselves are generally not as interesting. But we all wanted to learn how the Joker became the Joker. We know how the Joker became a Joker. He fell into a vat of chemicals. Right, but I want to know before that. He, well, it depends on which origin story. Exactly. Which is kind of the idea. Of the Joker. He's crazy, doesn't remember how he, or he lies. One of the two. Yeah. Okay. It's almost, that's more interesting. So does Warner Brothers think that the Joker is a more marketable commodity than its superhero characters? I I don't know what Warner Brothers even thinks anymore. Well, and then, of course, another rumor, and we don't have this in the show notes, was that for at least, you know, 10 minutes this week, somebody, the director of the the Batman movie, said, oh, yeah, we're not even going to do it in the same universe. No, no, no. There was another article released about that where they said, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's a Batman movie, but it is in the DECU, but no characters from the DECU are going to be in the Batman movie because we want to focus on Batman. Because it's a prequel. That was the other thing. It's a prequel to the Batman story that we... Cool. Do we get to see his parents die again? 
Uh, Martha? Yeah. I don't know. I, it, but what's going to be even worse? We'll get this, the, the interesting story that everybody wants to know. How did Robin's uniform get spray painted? I mean, that is... The, what I mean, if they tell if they tell like a Red Hood story, that would be interesting. But but there's no the indication. Cartoon, the the animation already did it so well. Yeah. Well, but nobody watches that stuff. But people like us, oh, we're such nerds. So anyhow, you yeah. know, because DC can't get Superman or Batman correct. Uh, did you hear they're adding new characters to Injustice? Yeah, 2? Fighter Pack Two. It's really cool. You get Black Manta, the guy with the giant saucer head, yeah. who fights Aquaman, the yeah. coolest superhero ever made. And yeah. and then there's the God of Lightning. Yeah. So in the last Injustice, Thor? they added one no, character wait, from Mortal Thor. Kombat. In this one, they're adding two. Well, no, Sub-Zero's. it's the second. Sub Sub Zero's already in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're adding two in this one. The no. last one only had Scorpion. Oh, I guess I missed that piece. Yeah. So now they're like, hey, uh, here's some more. Quarter- hey, here's some more already pre-rendered uh, hey, people that we have in this engine that we could just hey, move over. We know you bought a DC game, so we know exactly what you want in this DLC, not DC characters. Hey, hey remember DC versus Mortal Kombat and how that didn't sell very well? I do. They're backdooring it. This is the sequel. Hey, you know what else is happening in this DC uh, DLC? This DC DLC? No, there's what? another non DC character coming to it. Uh, Ness, <laughs> <laughs> Knuckles, <laughs> Sonic, and Knuckles are going to appear in the. Uh, in, no, no, Hellboy, which is cool. Hellboy but, is coming to a video game, and that video game is Injustice Two. Yeah, um, Hellboy had his own video game. It wasn't very good. I'm a huge Hellboy fan. Yes, I am as well. But huh? You know what? One time Yoda was in a fighting game set with Link and Spawn. Soul Calibur. Okay, Soul Calibur pulled it off. Why can't Injustice? I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying you're buying a DC game and now 66% of this DLC pack two is not DC. Because Black Manta is so important a character. That's that, who uh, that's they didn't who want to cloud it. For. Yeah, they did. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's already he's taken the heft of this DLC. Yeah. So, I mean, you had Starfire carrying the last. Oh wait, Red Hood was in that too. Yeah. You actually did have two characters last time <laughs> that were actually DC Comics characters who actually made sense to put in the game. Yeah. Well, maybe Hellboy got sucked through a portal or something because Dark Horse wanted some money to fund the new movie. Maybe that that could be very well. <laughs> Anyhow. Sean, I'm not talking about ponytails or cottontails. No, you're talking about ducktails. Woohoo! That was horrible. Why did we do that? Because we're lame. <laughs> okay, well, let's own it. Anyhow, uh, Disney put out the first episode, which is really two episodes in one, of the new DuckTales show on YouTube. Because YouTube is where Disney releases all of its new episodes. Well, that's where all the kids are these days. So. Yeah, knowing, looking at my Verizon bill, I can tell you that. So, I watched this, and I have to say, it's really good. So, is it kind of the the fun, jaunty adventure stories like it used to be, or is it is it more modern, gritty storytelling? No. it. So, um, first off... Uh, 
all the Huey, Dewey, and Louie seem like separate people. They're not the same voice with the same characteristics with different shirts? No. They okay. have different characteristics. We'll see how long that lasts. Which one is going to murder somebody at some point and have a dark <laughs> secret? Um, Webby is interesting and not whiny. She's oh. actually a badass. Of course. A sheltered badass that's, that's socially hey, awkward. I am all about strong, independent women. So in that was DuckTales. Um, and is then Daisy Donald, Donald's actually prevalent throughout the the whole episode. So it's not just like Donald takes his nephews and he drops them to the door and leaves. There's a lame excuse of why he leaves them with Scrooge, but he's still involved with the story. Okay. And there's implications that he'll be still involved throughout the series. Huh. Series. Um, additionally, Scrooge, they kind of paint him as um, an Indiana Jones sort of like character. So he's not the curmudgeonly Irish guy. He's, he's still curmudgeon. I mean, especially oh. with his interactions with Donald. Um, oh, sorry. Did I say Irish? Yeah, you did. Scottish. Yes, I know. Um, I was waiting for you to call me on well, that. Well, I brain <laughs> processing here. The um, Mick in McDuck. He seems sort of like an Indiana Jones that doesn't go on adventures anymore. And the whole story is that the kids get him get into doing adventuring. Okay, so how do they explain Launchpad? <laughs> Launchpad. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much, but I'll, I'll explain this. Launchpad is Scrooge's driver in okay. the episode, and then at some point, Scrooge gets carried off in the air, and Launchpad's like, "I'm also a pilot." He just ends up flying. So he's happy. Yeah. He's happy, Hogan. Yeah, exactly. And okay. He's still he's he's still Launchpad. He's there for comedic relief and excellent comedic relief that is, but but they don't have the robot guy, not yet. No, now they've already said that Gizmo Duck and Darkwing Duck, but Darkwing gonna... Duck didn't even exist in the same universe. They are in this one. That was the, the that was the I know, I know, Disney I, multiverse. I know. I got so so for those that don't know what Sean's talking about, when we grew up and watching these shows, they took place in the same universe. Launchpad McQuack went from working for Scrooge to work for Drake Mallard, who was Darkwing Duck, as his pilot. Um, Gizmo Duck also crossovered. There were references to Duckbird. Mm -hmm. They were in the same universe. Now, back that up, a few years ago, the creator of Darkwing Duck kind of retconned it in an interview at some convention or something. And basically said, no, 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 no. Those, those are multiverses and alternate reality. Like, what? What point does Because how many versions of Launchpad do we need? Two? Uh well, at least. <laughs> what why? Why yeah. would you if people thought it was in the same universe and everything in the show So they're gonna reboot so, Gummy Bears and Launchpad's gonna be in it. So they made references <laughs> well, they made references in the DuckTales uh to the cities of Tailspin, yep. uh Darkwing Duck, and there was another one in there. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I don't think they made a Chippendale reference, but that'd be amazing. Um, anyhow, go watch it on YouTube. I'll make sure to link it in the, sh the show notes. Um, I think it's really good. I think Disney's been really good about their animation right now. Gravity Falls was really good, and it sort of has a Gravity Falls. You Whoa. No, 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 no. That look is not about me disapproving of Gravity Falls. And nobody in the podcast can see that look. No, I tilted my head when he said Gravity Falls because, honestly, 
I don't think Disney did very well or right by Gravity Falls, but that's a whole other. Did right by it? No, they they did everything they could, I think, to bury that show. Eh, it was a little too weird for Disney. I don't I don't agree with that. They they I mean they had a I don't think I agree with that. Uh, it, it was very popular. It was very popular, but it was like it was so it's like Invader Zim on Nickelodeon. Okay, right? I see. I see what you're saying. Where yeah. it didn't quite fit the market for the for the channel the way they wanted it to be. It turned out to be more popular with an older age demographic than yeah. they thought it would be, and uh, they shuffled it around on the schedule a lot. Yeah, I can see that. So, I mean, this may be just me with my tinfoil hat on think, claiming a conspiracy where it really was. Well, the production of the episodes wasn't going as well as we wanted, and we had to do redos, and so it delayed airing, and that's mm. what it was really about. And that could have been the honest business truth behind it, but it's much more convenient to think there's a conspiracy by the evil Disney Corporation against yeah. the wonderful creative product that many of us loved. Yep, and chemtrails. <laughs> and not cottontails. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta remember that one. Not ponytails or chemtrails. <laughs> no, ducktails. Ducktails. I gotta remember that. Anyhow. Anyway. So uh, yeah, ducktails. I, I mean, I'm having to adjust the animation style. It's it's more modern. Yeah, uh, it has some retro more, flair to it. I mean, much it's, more comic booky. Like exactly strippy which, comic. Strip. Again, ducktails has origins in the comics. So. so. Um. Should I move on to this, Sean? Are you going to let me? Yeah, go ahead. He's, he's allowing it. Um, yeah, I'll allow it. This last week, a little game came out. It is a little game. We'll get back to that, though. It's, uh, Keep going. He's always got something to say, folks. Um, Gee, it's almost like we do a podcast. It's almost like and if I just sit here and leer at you, nobody and, will see that. It's almost like there's banter back and forth. You know, we, we it's almost like we pick these topics to artificially cause some level of polite conflict so that we can express multiple points of view. No, that's not how media works. So tell us about Sonic Mania. Because you were angry. doing way we're too much build up for this. Angry. The game's like 35 seconds long. You were you talked longer <laughs> than the game. But it came in a nice box with a plastic Sonic. <laughs> oh, I forgot to get him out. I was going to play the second thing. Anyhow, uh, Sonic Mania come out. Come out? It come it, out. It come out. It come man. out. It come out. Um, for those that don't know, I will explain it. Sonic Mania. We've talked about it. Actually, we've talked about it in a few. We've talked about it like episodes. three or four times, and it's the one that both of us agreed looked really good. And I can say, shortly, it is really good. Um, it only took getting it out of Sega's hands to make a good Sonic game. Finally, um, kind of like George. No, that hasn't worked out for Star Wars yet. <laughs> uh, keep going. So. In Sonic Mania, um, about half of the, or I'm sorry, 66%, two-thirds of the game are remixed older stages from Sonic 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles. Um, There are four new worlds or zones, as they're called in Sonic, of course. Um, Here's what I'll say about Sonic Mania. You start it off, and you're in Green Hill Zone, like the last 70 Sonics, um, and it plays very much like Sonic 2. And so far, you, so good. When you get to Act Two, a lot of things change, and it remixes itself, and that's just the beginning. Do you play as Knuckles all of a sudden? I'll get into that. Um, additionally, you go to the second uh, zone, which is Chemical Plant Zone, which has always been my favorite from the Sonic games. 
And again, Act 1 plays very similar to the originals. But Act 2 completely throws all of what you kind of know out of the original Sonic and adds completely new mechanics. And this is what you'll find in in Sonic Mania a lot. At the act, if I remember in previous Sonics, Act 1 and Act 2 is like, oh, Act 2 is harder and difficult, whatever. The, the acts are very segmented with different mechanics and layouts of the stage. Do they build like they should? So that's one of the things that there's been a lot of criticism over the years about Sonic games. And I, I love Sonic games. I, I, I really love good Sonic games. I hate bad Sonic games. Like, so you like one, two and three and knuckles. And that's about, I mean, um, Sonic 3d. I like spinball. <sighs> no, anyway, uh, anyway uh, no, no, I, I agree with your original <laughs> assessment. I'm just being contrary. But, uh, so the thing is that one thing Sonic's never done is really done kind of the building, evolving gameplay type. Yes, I agree. And so you're saying that there's an element of that. There's an element throughout out the game. So Sonic's always had its loop-de-loos and its spinny-dins. That's an official term. No, it's not. Um, but in this game, it changes that up a lot. Um, if you remember in Sonic 2, what was it, Casino Zone? Yep, With casino. the pinball? You know, they kind of added the pinball element. Well, that's where the pinball idea for the spinoff came right, from. Right, right. But... That was cool and different from the rest of the game, but you never saw anything like that in the rest of the in in the games. It was like a oh cool different kind of mechanics with bumpers and all that, and it went away. Sonic Mania actually does what exactly you're saying. There's new elements and mechanics in each and every stage. You know, you've got Green Hill, you've got, but then you're introduced to uh, I forget what the garden. I think it's garden stage, and you have these sort of tubes. And just, I'm trying to think of an, uh, a similar thing where you have to choose a path, mm-hmm. right? And as so, is bump- a branching gameplay? It is. Well, cool. Sonic's always been branching, but the branches are a lot more interesting in this. Yeah, one. it has been. You can always take different routes. And, and here's the other thing that Sonic Sonic Mania really capitalizes on. Um, with Sonic games, they're not always fair, and like Sean said, they kind of don't evolve over time. Yeah. And here's how I fear about feel about pretty much every sonic or the first four sonic games oh green hill zone fun second stage still pretty good third stage eh. fourth stage just difficult to be difficult i don't want to play anymore that's been every sonic game in my experience (laughs) um all the stages are consistently fun and a lot of like cheap deaths and spikes and stuff Mm mm-hmm um, are removed. I so mean, it doesn't feel like most fan created. And we talked about this a yeah. few episodes back where a lot of times it becomes this, how many things can I throw in a level? Yeah. Because I like all of these things and let's see if we just throw everything. It's like Mario maker levels, right? Where people just didn't make them impossibly hard and, and, you know, really kind of for me, disenchanting of the, the, the capability to make Mario levels. Right. So you're saying that this is made by people who actually get, level Sonic design and understand level design which and is- understand the the point of challenge and fun you know it does a really good balance you know sonic was never about just holding right to get to the end of the stage like a lot of people think i mean maybe in the first stages like i mentioned where it was fun mm-hmm. um, but the later stages were just platform slippery platforming Mar- that's the okay. difference between sonic and mario yeah, mario's think- tight platforming sonic slippery yeah 
Um, and they never really played up those elements in those Sonic games. They kind of tried to make it Mario-esque, and that's why it was not as fun, because you're trying to do some tricky platforming with a character that's not really designed to do some... Well, and it's a character who's all about speed. Right. And it's really about jump timing, not about complex right, platforming. Right. So uh, they they have fixed that to a T. And to Sean's point where the game's really short, I haven't finished it. I'm about halfway through. There are 12 zones. Here's the other thing. Every act has a different boss. So there are 24 bosses, I think 25 in the actual game. Um, the special stages mm-hmm. are actually fun. The secret stages. Secret. Okay, so because I thought a lot of the special stages in the first few games were fun too, when they would check I wish to I the parallax and the half pipe. I, lo- yeah. I love the half pipe. No, they brought back the uh, the blue bouncy balls from Sonic Three. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite. Those are like like puzzle games or something. But no, yeah. the secret stages are sort of like a 3D esque sort of like borrowing from Sonic CD, where you're chasing this UFO to get the Chaos Emerald. Okay, and cool. they're fun. They have a, a good balance of where you have to measure time and speed. Rings give you more time on the timer, and mm-hmm. the little blue balls give you faster speed so you can catch it. So you've got to balance what you're aiming for. Well, that's a biological fact. Blue balls give you more speed. Blue balls give you more speed. Anyhow. Often in the most unfortunate time. <laughs> if you're a fan of Sonic, even if you're not, this is definitely a game to pick up. It's only $20. It's already on sale on Steam for 15 Um it's longer than any Sonic game. The stages are actually longer than any of the original Sonic games. And if you played any of the original Sonic games, come back and tell us what you thought after you played Chemical Zone Plant 2's boss. Because I don't want to spoil it for Sean. I don't know if he's seen it. I haven't. Um, I, 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 I can take a guess at what you're talking about based on some of the stuff I've saw. But I don't want to get it right it's a, and ruin what you're no, trying no, no. to do. It's, a, it's an awesome throwback. And if you don't appreciate it, then this isn't the game for you. But okay. Anyhow, let's move on, Sean. Yeah, to to um, Secret of Mana. Yeah. So actually, there was a Secret of Mana collection, uh, which I forget the Japanese name for the series. Um but I used it, to know it, but I'm old. It was 1, 2, and 3, and it released for the Switch in mm-hmm. Japan. And everybody was like, bring it to the U.S. Bring it to the U.S. Re- oh, yeah. That was a few, we actually talked about that. Yeah. And it hasn't come. I don't think it and There's will. been no announcement. No. However, they're remaking Secret of Mana with 3D graphics, and it's coming to PS4, Steam, and I think Xbox. So they're giving it the Final Fantasy IV treatment. Ugh. And if it looks like those games, I don't want it. <laughs> Come on, those were made for mobile platforms. They weren't really made for the 3DS. <laughs> but uh, I just yeah. I think it's such a weird thing that it's coming out for those platforms. Are, are they just looking at a sheer numbers of install base? And again, they already have it made. They don't. They already have one of the games localized. Mm-hmm. Give it to us. Maybe they're just diversifying. Now, the what is really weird is the PS4. Uh, you'd think at least the 3ds xl oh, yeah. super large especially with square enix's games for the releasing dragon quest on ps4 and 3ds yeah um well yeah. i've got a bunch of 3ds dragon quest games all the remakes or the yeah. re-releases i've got um 
so that's something for fans of classic JRPGs. If you didn't play the Secret of Mana series, they're really they're really good. Right, but this is a a full remake with new graphics and new music and stuff. So let's see where it is because if it's I have a Sean and I have talked. I don't know if we've talked on the podcast when they've redone the Final Fantasy games for mobile yeah. and they've redone that beautiful pixel art for those sort of washed um, out. Yeah style that just doesn't the, look the good. worst offender is final fantasy 6 yeah the the chibi style where they just remove the detail the intricate detail but, of the and they basically art. do an anti-alias filter over it, it and looks it looks horrible it looks very muddy yeah um i hope they don't do that you know we'll see it didn't look like that from what i saw from the screenshots it looked like they were actually doing um kind of a two and a half d yeah. approach but we'll see um so <laughs> Half-Life 2 is our next conversation point. Yeah, Mark Laidlaw. Um, who is uh, one of the writers on Half-Life 2 Episode 1 and 2. And I think other games. Well, he's uh, done other things, Por- yeah. I think he was involved somewhat with Portal. He was involved with Portal. Yes, he was. Um, he posted on his blog basically the ending of Half-Life 2 Episode 3. Which, for those of you who were born in the last 20 years, you've probably not heard of this. Before Half-Life 3 confirmed was a meme... Uh, Half Half Life. Well, okay. Let's back up. Half Life Two. No, let's back up even further. Valve released, in my eyes, I don't know if we've said this, the best value in gaming ever. The orange box. The orange box. Yeah. Um, the orange box was it had Half Life Two already out, and mm-hmm. it and it said uh, they had. I think they had already released Episode One at that point too. Yes. Because they said, okay, we're going to add on to Half Life Two. We're going to do episodic content so this was during the episodic content wave and this happened right after um half-life 2 kind of really hit big and everybody's like we want more content but we want it faster we don't want to wait for a new game and valve said well we're going to try this experiment and and valve wasn't alone there were some other companies that did this is when dlc was (laughs) substantial substantial and sort of formalizing itself as not an expansion pack but not a full sequel. You know, it was, right. sort, of, it was sort of that in-between area yep. where there's still single-player content. It's not like costumes and cosmetic shit. You know, and if you think about them, the most modern comparison to that would be like the Telltale games, yeah, where they do a season at a time, and it's it's smaller installments and, that tell one single long story. And not only did Valve come up with episode one, they committed themselves to three episodes. They up did front. Yep, for Half Life Two, which is where the origin of valve hates the number three comes from right because they got episode one out and everybody liked it and it was a good continuation we got more gordon freeman story it took half-life in a new um direction because it brought alex to the forefront as a main character then we got half-life so half-life two two, episode two two. debuted with the orange box right and the orange box if you didn't play half-life it had half-life two it had half-life two episode one and two and it said hey you know what? There's a little there's a little game, you know, our new multiplayer experience, Team Fortress 2 is coming out. We know how that worked out. And it said, "Hey, we've got this little little ditty of a game. I don't know if you're going to appreciate it, but it's in here. It's just called Portal. It's no big deal." Um obviously Portal kind of took the spotlight of that package. Yeah, Portal really was the breakout hit at the time and, and but it, all those games. Yeah. That and that, that all released for $20. Yes, it did. And you got Team Fortress 2 also. Yeah. I mean, you can't really $20. complain about I any of that. I can't think. I mean, people that bought 
Team Fortress 2 then in all of that stuff. I mean, Team Fortress is free to play now, but um, yeah, that was a huge, there was nothing like it. So Except for the console version, which has its own problems. Yeah, which I got, but... Um, yeah, I have the Xbox version as well. Yeah. And multiplayer is a problem. Team Fortress 2 on Xbox? <laughs> Woo! Um, yeah. That's a whole other episode. But anyhow... Um, there we go. There's another episode content. Another, another, Make a note another about bad conversions of games from one platform to another. Bad conversions. Ports. Ports. Yeah. So... Episode two ended on a cliffhanger Mm -hmm. and they said, yep, episode three, it's going to come down. It's going to come and it never came. And this is like 16 years ago. This disappeared into (laughs) either where people were asking about episode three and Valve initially was on shaky sort of footing of where they stood. And they said, well, we're not sure if it's going to be a new game or if it's going to be an episode. Right. Which is where the initial Half-Life three questions came in. Right. So Half-Life 3 could have actually been Half-Life 2, Episode 3, made into a full Either game. way, it involved a 3. Yeah. So, anyhow, Mark Laidlaw posts the story content of the game, which a lot of people, I mean... Well, let's be fair. We should talk about, have we talked about story in games? Uh, I believe we have, but we can always talk about that. I can talk yeah. about that for hours. So, I mean, you know, a lot of game developers don't focus on story, but a lot of people invested with Half-Life story because it was interesting and a little bit different from a sci-fi standpoint. Yeah. Um, so he's posted the entire episode three, mostly. And, well, and what he did to get around anybody coming <laughs> to him and saying, hey, you just leaked something that we may or may not ever use and it's property of Valve, is he, he talked about he swa- he gender swapped the characters first off. Right. Then he changed their names. He changed the names of the ship. He changed the names of the setting and the adversaries. And of course, very quickly people caught on to this and just did a find replace and posted the story. And now you're like, oh, okay, cool. And it's interesting. I wish I could have played that game. Um Yeah. And and again, it if ended on a even better cliffhanger. Um, that could have led to some really interesting possibilities. Except the one thing that he did say in his uh, short story is that the main character, Gordon Freeman, at the end of the story is left abandoned somewhere, doesn't know where he is or how he got there, which is exactly the same way that Half-Life ended. Yeah. And and there's time travel involved and there's alternate universes. And and so it's everything you would expect. Here's the thing, and, and this has probably been talked about to death but we haven't talked about it they essentially made the portal universe and the half-life episode uh universe in the same they're the one in the same well they are they the reference same. they reference aperture yep aperture references uh black mesa in the famous song from portal well and aperture actually was the creator of the ship that was the part borealis of the, yeah which was part of the cliffhanger of episode which two was using portal technology mm-hmm and I think what everybody hoped for was you have Portal, which is a puzzle game. You have Life 2 is a first-person shooter. Crossover? Gordon Freeman with the Portal gun? That could have made some interesting gameplay. A gravity Portal gun. Or both. Hmm. There, There's so many possibilities. And yeah, there's nothing new with that. You've taken a mechanic from one game and a mechanic from another game. But there's still a lot you could do with that, in my opinion. But yep. we will never see that. Anyhow, that's so, all I have to say. 
What do you have? Do you have anything to say about that? No, I, I enjoyed reading it, and it meant something to me because I'd played all those games. Yeah. And if you're somebody who's you know been playing PC games for a while and you haven't gone back and played some of the classics, Half Life Two, being on the Source engine, still runs really well today. It still looks pretty good for a game that's you know over a decade old. And the story is still great. I mean, I, I can't recommend playing Portal or Half-Life 2 enough. They, they really are foundational they're, games. Yeah, they're landmark, landmark games. There are those moments in time where you play a game and you know, this game just changed things. And if it makes it, if it's successful, everything after it is going to be impacted by this. And this is the case where Valve, is, as a game maker, was so highly regarded because they did it two, three, four times. And lately we've seen, I mean, Team Fortress 2 is another area where they kind of changed the industry. And the original Team Fortress was pretty game-changing, but they haven't done anything. I mean, Left 4 Dead. Dota. Don't forget about the Dota card the game. The Dota card game. I'm sorry, I forgot. And all those hats you can get in Team Fortress 2. There, yes, there's an entire content pipeline around developing things that you can buy <laughs> in Team Fortress 2. This is, I mean... When you mentioned game developers, I mean Valve was up there. I mean they were they were like as revered Blizzard. as like a BioWare or I, even you know, Blizzard. Nintendo. I mean Nintendo, Valve, and Blizzard. I mean I love Valve. I loved all those old games, and it, it, it's it stinks because we knew there was potential there. And, it, and having a writer come out and kind of post this, it's kind of disheartening in a way because it almost says we'll never see it's this. It's the nail. It's a nail in the yeah. coffin. You know, and it's like, this isn't going to happen. Just move on. Yeah. Um. So, Half-Life 3 never confirmed. I'm good with that. Okay. So, today, on top of everything else that's been going on, there's two media releases that we'll talk about, but I don't see, did we put the other one on here? Yeah, we did. It's It comes up later. I forgot. Um. But one of the we're going to talk about two releases that came out on streaming services today, and the first one I want to talk about is the Tick, which is Amazon's six-episode TV series. The first episode's been available for a while; it was a pilot. Um, but episodes two through six continue that same story with the same characters and the same kind of telling. And the Tick is played by Peter Seferinowitz. Serafonowicz. Serafonowitz. Yeah, I, I can never pronounce it correctly. I love him; he's hilarious. Um, the best thing I think he's ever done is look around you. If you've watched, <laughs> yes, yeah, just look around you. Yeah, and, well, and and if you're not familiar with him directly, he he had a big part in Parts and Rec. Yeah, he was uh, he was Chris, he's in I think most or all of the Cornetto trilogy. He was in all of the Cornetto trilogy. Um, um, he was the Nova Guard captain who sacrificed yep, himself Guardians in the first the Guardians. Um, I mean, he's done a lot of things, and the, the, he's he's sort of been in the background, sort of a secondary player, but he's hilarious. Well, and the thing is that with the Tick is this this character that we've had some really good interpretations of, um, and Patrick Warburton probably will never be forgotten for his version of the Tick, and I will say Sarah Fanowitz's version is not the same. Uh, his line delivery is a little different, but. Ultimately, the one thing I will say about all of these interpretations of that character is the character is the same. It, I mean, you have no question that the Tick is the Tick, and he is exactly what you expect him to be. 
Now, with this latest version, again, it's six episodes, so it's kind of got the Castlevania thing going for it where you know it was really supposed to be more than six episodes, but they kind of put it out earlier. There's been so much talk about it, they want to get it out of the gate. Yeah, and they do a great job, and it actually, in the six episodes, it tells a cohesive story, and it stops at a point where it's not a cliffhanger, but it's it's a good break in the story. Um, and it doesn't resolve everything. There's six more episodes that they're doing that we know of. So they originally ordered 12 episodes. They've put six out, one of which was already done. It was the pilot. Right. Um, and for anybody who watches the pilot and liked the pilot, but maybe thought the tick looked funny, his costume was weird in the pilot, they have changed the Tick's costume for the rest of them. And you'd expect them to just ignore that, but they don't. So there's one scene after in the in the second episode where Tick and Arthur are running away from this encounter. And Arthur stops in this alleyway and turns around and looks at the Tick and goes, You look different. And the Tick goes, Why, thank you. <laughs> I mean, they, they don't talk about the fact that he does actually look different. But they but, reference it. But they reference it. So if you're paying attention, it's like, oh, okay, so they know he looks different too. You know, it, even Arthur's recognize it. Um, that's strange. So I've seen the cartoon and I've seen the Patrick Warburton, mm-hmm. uh, which only lived for a season or it two. It was uh, only about half a season. Yeah, we didn't live long. And I haven't even seen the pilot. I've seen some clips of the new show. Is it good? I love it. I, I, I binged it in like, Three hours. And they said they've gone for a darky, darky, dark, darker, grittier tone. So what is I will say out? is this is not laugh out loud funny all the time. Is it sort of dark humor? Um, there is some dark humor. There's also some kind of existential questions that Arthur asks. So if you, if you see the pilot, they leave you open to wondering whether the tick is actually real or not. Or a figment of his or imagination. Figment of, and they carry that into the second episode and then they resolve that pretty quickly. But it, it's... Again, I think part of that is them looking at what the, the community reaction was and kind of addressing it and writing it into the story. And I thought it was really, really well done. Um, Dot, his, you know, Arthur's sister, is much more actively involved in all of the episodes. Um, they don't keep the mystery about the terror a secret for very long. Um, and that's kind of the main thread is, you know, is the terror really alive? Does, has Arthur discovered something? Um, but they do introduce Overkill as kind of the anti-hero in this series. Um, they do the typical deconstruction of, of superheroes, but it, it is a little bit darker. But it isn't like punchline, laugh-out-loud, you know, Jerry um, Stein, Seinfeld uh, kind of punchline jokes. This is... The humor is much more about the situation, I think. And so if you're going into it expecting a you know a laugh track and a comedy... This isn't going to do that for you. Um, but if you want to go in as a fan of the Tick and the fan of these characters and see kind of what would it be like if they were in a semi-real world where superheroes exist, but there aren't any in the city. And now all of a sudden the Tick is running around and, you know, the the ultimate evil is maybe coming back and nobody believes Arthur. I think it's a good story. Do you think this is going to last more than a season? I would love it to. I wonder if it's too expensive. I think the the cost of production is probably going to be the big negative. Because Amazon doesn't have too many exclusive hits on their hands. Um, they're they're stables building. I mean, they yeah. got Man in the High Castle. They've got Transparent. Right. They've got um, well now the Tick. Hopefully, um, they've got a few. But you're right. It's they're they're not diving in as headfirst as say Netflix. Right. Where they're producing, you know, bright and 
Um, some other films, one of which we'll talk about in a little bit. I'm being very purposely not talking about it because I don't want to blow my rant. I just mentioned I. Uh, we might have to come back to this. I know you. It's not in the show notes, but I'll I'll stop to talk about it since we're talking about shows. Uh, Defenders. Yeah, I've only seen the first two episodes. I've I seen did, them all. I did catch up. Um, and I don't know if you want to talk about our weight. Um, I think this is something we want to spend a little time on. And we'll I, want, wait. I want you to watch it. And next, then we can next come back and episode. Talk. So. And, and yes, we realize that everybody will have binged it by now. But yeah, the reality is that this is a series I think needs some conversation. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Moving on. Um, so, <laughs> Sean. Um, just, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but the major hit game that is totally original and not based on anything else, Hearthstone. Uh, you mean the World of Warcraft game? No, Hearthstone. Oh, Hearthstone. Okay. It's the card game. Yeah. About World of Warcraft. Uh, is it? Uh, it started out that way. What, what, Murlocs aren't like a thing that they created. I thought it was just like a card game. Anyhow. Um, Jaina Proudmore. Pretty sure World of Warcraft. What? Yeah. And no. The, and the whole druid thing. And No, she's like one of the players in the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anyhow. Uh, Blizzard at Gamescom this week. Is World of Warcraft still running? Yeah. Okay, so that's probably where this is going to go, right? Yeah. Uh, released a new animatic. Um, an animation. They, they've done some really good anim. I mean, they do Pixar-level animation and stories that they've done for Overwatch. And even in the in the Diablo games. I mean, they're, yep. they're, they really should branch off and make stuff. But um, they released a new animatic about Hearthstone. <laughs> Yes. In which a new character, I forget her name, it's not important, stumbles upon this tavern mm-hmm. where they play Hearthstone. So, it's a card game within a card game within a World of Warcraft. It's And yeah, it's all the World of Warcraft characters and races playing Hearthstone in this tavern about themselves. And <sighs> Blizzard has said... Yeah, we're going to make a whole media line about Hearthstone. We're going to make more cartoons, animatics, and comics. To tell the Hearthstone story. So that would be like making a series of stories about about people playing Mario Kart. This is a Mario Kart story. Well, I was thinking even more directly, like Magic the Gathering. So Magic has a meta plot and stories that, you know, the cards represent. The stories in Magic the Gathering aren't about people sitting down playing Magic the Gathering. That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Was this like a ploy to say like, remember WoW? Remember the game WoW? World of Warcraft? Used to be the biggest massively multiplayer online game ever. Oh wait, still probably is, I think. But it, it's really weird. Uh, I well, mean, I, I love the universe of Warcraft. But it's weird to see it depicted <laughs> as people in the universe playing okay. Hearthstone. So how many people who played WoW even knew what Warcraft 3 was? I don't... And and how many people playing Hearthstone understand that many of the characters that they're using, they think came from WoW, actually came from Warcraft 3. Or Warcraft 2. Two. Yeah. And I'm like, so this is a universe that's existed for almost 30 years. And most people only know one iteration of it. And it seems to usurp the last iteration every time they release it. And it's game. weird how it's evolved. RTS, they don't do RTS in World 
uh, Warcraft anymore. Starcraft's taken that mantle of RTS. Oh yeah, doesn't I mean probably doesn't make sense to have two. Um, we could debate that, but I mean for them maybe they're they're you know especially after WoW took off, it doesn't make sense to go back yeah, and make high it fantasy sense. lends itself better to adventures and right. card games apparently apparently. And then they have Diablo, um, which has seen a lot of success lately. So yep. Diablo and Starcraft and Overwatch, while sort of like sitting back, and I don't know if this just their ploy to, to I think it's a shift that. in the way people play games. I don't no, think people I, play MMOs the way they used to. No, I absolutely agree. But I'm thinking, is this their way of saying like, wow, Warcraft, it's one of our things. We're going to make <laughs> stuff in it too. I mean, it's... It'd be like them making a sequel to The Last Vikings. Oh my gosh! Or Lost Vikings, right? Really. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, it's just, it was a good definition of the word meta. Yeah. So this next one was one that we were talking about before we put the show notes together. And um, if you're an adventure gamer, I mean, there there it is hard to find games that were more influential in kind of the evolution of 3D graphics and adventure games than the Mist series. Well, it's funny you mentioned 3D graphics, but we'll get back to that. Um, well, Mist was the first fully kind of rendered. So yeah, the thing I about mean, the Seventh Guest was too, but the original Mist games, Mist and Riven, especially, actually the first four, they were again a, a, a 3D world. However, it was sort of depicted through just 2D images, and mm-hmm. it, you clicked on the image, and it would take you somewhere. Um, but what they what that allowed you to do, as unlike some other adventure games where you're just going down a corridor and it's like, go north, go south. And it like really, the Zorks. Really fleshed out the world. You saw a boat. You can eventually get to that boat. You saw an intricate control panel. Mm-hmm. You could interface with it. Um, and and the, there were puzzles tied to that. Oh, my gosh. Mist had some of the best puzzles. Um, and the great thing about the Mist series was it didn't spell anything out for you. No. Um, that was, I mean, it, it was a discovery game. It didn't spell out anything there was not a tutorial that you were just plopped in eventually they put in like cheat systems or hint systems yeah but the first two games they were really you were a person dropped in this world with no idea where you were and it was really original and the sound when we were talking about breakthrough games like half-life mist was one of those Mm -hmm, absolutely everybody played mist um did they beat it maybe maybe not i found out about the multiple endings after reading about it on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. And once you know the puzzles, you know, it didn't really get a job. I mean, it, if you know the answer to the end puzzle, you well, can Well, and that's the disadvantage of a lot of those types of games. Yeah. And I think why they eventually kind of sunsetted as a uh, popular genre is they didn't have a lot of replayability. Right. Um, unlike the pure puzzle game, like say a puzzle witch or something like that. Right. Um, but so what what's going on with the people who made those games so uh is it cayenne or cyan i think it's cyan cyan studios the makers of the mist have a new game abduction um and the basically the premise is is you're plopped onto an alien world with fragments of earth kind of just strung out okay and it's that I'm hoping, I mean, we've seen some trailers, but we don't know any details about the game. It comes out this coming week. Um, I'm really hoping for a return to form. Um, it, it'd be refreshing. And I think they, they can do it because not many people have done that game. Now, speaking of that, 
there was a game that really reminded me of Mist that came out uh, this year, last year. I think it was this year. The Witness. Yes, The Witness. Did you play The Witness? I own it. I haven't played it. I got um, it in part of my Humble Bundles. Yeah, The Witness was made by Jonathan Braid, who did... Um, Braid. I don't know. Jonathan Blow, who did Braid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're um, right. Also, one of the members of Indie, Indie Games, the film, or Indie, mm-hmm. um, that we talked about. Um, very reserved guy, but honestly, Witness was really good. And Witness, um, had, so Hit's main mechanic was these puzzles basically connect the dot. And it kept implementing new mechanics to how you kind of follow these paths. And eventually you find out there are puzzles in the real world. And I'll just mm. tell you an example of this game that really struck at home from the mist, uh, correlation was you do these puzzles you do these more puzzles where it gets more elaborate makes it harder and it's a the game doesn't tell you anything first off it just you touch a control panel and you can finally configure oh i moved from a to b and Hmm. it says complete and then it has you do the next one um there's no order you have to complete the puzzles in okay Um, and you learn the mechanics of the puzzles by solving the easier versions before you get to the hard ones the harder ones like just life. Exactly. <laughs> but the puzzles are all additive, right? So if you learn the mechanic of, uh, for example, you'll see like a tetramino. Mm-hmm. And basically it's like a grid and you have to basically section off the tetramino in your path. Oh, nice. You learn that. You go through a section but the of the next game. puzzle builds on that with a new skill. Well, you go through a whole series of tetramino puzzles that get harder and harder. Okay. You go to another part of the island you're just set on the island similar to mist and you learn a different dot mechanic and whatever it's not important you learn that but then you find a puzzle later that has both okay and if you haven't done both you're not going to figure it out so you just drop it and move Hmm. on now here's here's the correlation i was mentioning is you're walking in the island and you've done these puzzles that are just on grid you just walk up and they open doors when you finally do a set of them and you get more of the island and okay but you're walking up you're looking up the clouds the clouds are starting to align to a shape when you go into a certain spot and you're like, that looks like a line. Well, you hit your button, your action button, Uh you touch the clouds. You can highlight the clouds. Huh? And there are puzzles like that all strewn out. So they're just buried in the reality of the world. Reality of the world. And, and there's a ton. So if you like puzzle games and miss sort of games, this is great. And there's a whole, back-end story that you kind of discover and i haven't finished it so i don't know the ending but you just see frozen people that have kind of been statued mm-hmm. the entire time they're just kind of frozen in time kind of metallicized or turned into bronze statues and there's an a thing on the highest point in the island um where you see this giant device and all these people with machines and they're all frozen so you're like and that's got some of the hardest puzzles near okay it, so. anyhow Here's the the last correlation is uh, on the PlayStation blog. Um, Jonathan Blow actually interviewed the guys from Cyan about abduction, talking about oh cool the interactions and what they mm-hmm. how they designed the, the game and what their the design was. of that sort of game in a 3D world because Mist really relied on you're looking at a very specific view yes and in a 3D world it's a lot harder to sort of line up those oh that's true so that's where I was going I know it was a really long winded way of saying it but uh, you could even call it a tangent 
Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Last, last, last news tangent. item. Yeah. Last, uh, Sean. So in the, in the ongoing saga and not much more ongoing saga of mass effect Andromeda, um, some news about the future of the game. And we talked a little bit about kind of it's hit or miss reality and, and how good the game was or wasn't. And some of the challenges, um, and, and I wanted to bring this up because we officially heard that there will be no single-player expansion to the game. And that any new storylines, any of that content will be told through media tie-ins, like novels, comic books, those types of things. Right. Uh, not new games, and not new game content. So effectively, Mass Effect Andromeda is dead. Now, that news came out earlier this week. And then EA had a um, quarterly posting for their profits, a business call with investors. And it came out that Mass Effect Andromeda made money for the company. It led to higher than expected quarterly results. So not only did it make a profit, made up its net loss, it actually led to unexpected profit. Yes. And the um, person speaking about the uh, earnings, I believe it was the CEO, but it might have been the CFO, um, came out and said, you know, I think Mass Andromeda took a pretty harsh beating with the press and with players at the beginning. And it's really a good game, and we stand behind the product, and we think that it, you know, if you were to go buy it now with all the work that we've done on it, you're going to get a great product. Which I thought was a little bit of a, a two-faced answer. Here they are with people saying, okay, you fixed all the problems that came out for the most part, We've gotten to the point where the story has some weaknesses. You could fix that with DLC. You can fix a lot of the problems with Andromeda with some add-on content. And they've said, well, first off, the studio that made the game doesn't exist anymore. We absorbed them. This was an experiment. It was the B team making their first game. It didn't go as well as we wanted. We had to bring in other resources to fix it. But he basically said, you know, the reason there's no more story content is because you people are mean. <laughs> This is your fault. It is. That's what he basically said. And I'm sitting here going, wow. Um, they had the opportunity to actually turn this around, but they've effectively said, no, we're not going to do that. You guys are mean. We're not going to do it anymore. And we, we'll come back to Mass And Casey Hudson came back to the studio, right? And he was one of the people who was the driving force be behind the original Mass, and uh, Mass Effect games. And he's come back, but he's working on Anthem, which is uh, Destiny 1.5 for Bioware. And it's leading to a lot of conversations. We know they're also working on another Dragon Age game. Um, it's leading to a lot of conversations of, is Bioware finally just dead? Is the Bioware of our youth, the the great you know studio that made great games for people who liked role-playing games, are they just gone? Because they've shifted so far towards the action games. They are not supporting, they're not taking risks. They did take a risk with Andromeda. And the game was released far earlier than it should have been. All the postmortems have come back, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, uh, have come back and said that this was a game that was in trouble. And they knew they had to release it. They probably told people it was coming too early, so then they locked themselves into a release date. And then they basically crunched until they got it out. And they had a redesign 18 months before release. That is never a good sign with a game. Like, the game is the size of Mass Effect. Right. 
and now they've got it to the point where the game's actually not bad. It's it's enjoyable. There's some story problems, but again, nothing that they probably couldn't fix with some additional content. Um, but they're turning around and their focus is on the cool, ooh, flashy, fighty game of Anthem. Well, not that multiplayer and, shooty and, game. And all of we the don't focus... have a multiplayer shooty game. They talk about how popular the multiplayer was in Mass Effect Three. I don't know anybody that played multiplayer. Mass there, Effect there's 3. people out there. Well, I, I mean, they didn't play it for that reason. Right. They played it because they played Mass Effect One and Two, and this was the culmination of that story. Right. It, you were not going to bring a transitional FPS or third-person shooter right. audience into Mass Effect, and and Andromeda does have the best shooting mechanics of any of the games. But to some extent, I kind of miss the more RPG-like methodology that was in Mass Effect 3. I right. almost The combat system wasn't perfect, but uh, the, adding the mobility where you can just fly around, it takes away the cover system. And you can get around enemies a lot faster. I don't know. It's neither here nor there at this point, because if you've either bought Andromeda and you've enjoyed it, or you bought Andromeda and you lamented it, it doesn't matter. You're all mean for picking on those poor developers, and we're not making any more games right now. How dare you be critical of a beloved series and developer? It's almost like he doesn't know what gamers are like. He almost doesn't know like what media is like. Yeah. Anyhow. All right, we should move on to our main topic. All right, time for the main topic. All right, Sean, our main topic this week. Main topics, are they main enough? Sometimes. Okay, moving on. So uh, this week we have a few one dumb things. Yeah. Um, Or as we're starting to call this section of the podcast, what stupid thing has Nintendo done this week? Hey, (laughs) there's two dumb Nintendo things this week. One well, only directly one of them Nintendo's is directly, fault, yeah. one somebody else's. Exactly. Hey, SNES classic pre-orders? How many times do we have to talk about how madly they're messing up these pre-orders? No, 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 no. Nintendo's like, hey, they're going to be better. We're going to have tons more. Guess what happened? Same thing as the NES classic. Oh, yeah. I can say right before this podcast episode, I've pre-ordered one from Walmart because I jumped on it and it was only up for five minutes. Now, Walmart... Is known for canceling the pre-orders. Yeah. I got an email that means nothing. And it's also Walmart, so it comes out on the 29th, and I'll get it like a week later. So my SNES Classic is already up and running, and it plays over 200 games. But it doesn't have Star Fox 2. Not yet. But it's not the official Nintendo release. It's not like when the NES snes classic comes out that somebody will just take the game off and put it out on the internet no of course not that would be illegal (laughs) 
Uh, Sean, uh, one of our dumb things. Oh, I don't even want to get into this, but I know I have to. All right, Death Note. Death Note finally came out today. Netflix. What the hell? I mean, we had some indication that Death Note was not going to be a good translation. Here's a 26-episode manga or anime series, a long manga series, translated into like an hour and a half movie and Americanized. We kind of saw the the shitstorm coming. But, oh my god, I can't even tell, I, uh, I couldn't make it through 20 minutes. So, what is Death Note? Is it like a manga or something? So, Death Note is a, a Japanese manga story. Very, very popular. Um, it's been translated into anime, it's been translated into other live-action movies in Japan. But basically, it comes down to the idea that uh, there's this uh, super intelligent, um, kind of straight-laced, um high-performing student by the name of Light who chances upon this notebook, this tattered notebook that he finds called a death note. And in the death note, there's some rules written down. And it says that if you write the name of somebody in this book within, you know, an hour, a day or whatever, I forget what the time period is, but they will die. And so at first he's like, well, what, you know, this has got to be a joke. You know, I can't believe this. And there's a bunch of rules that tell you how you use a Death Note. And then as he starts to dig into this, and he, he it really develops his character a lot about why would he do this. He basically gives you the ability to kill anybody you can see. You know their name and you can see them, they, they die. If you write their name in this book. Okay. And you find out that he's tied to this god of death, which is an alien from another dimension that, you know, they, they sit back. And again, there's a mystic element to this. Um and the story really revolves around light and his over time the influence of having this power how it changes him and on the the other side all these people start dying so the law enforcement are like there's something going on and there's internet chatter about a a person called Kira and they so they bring in this you know global investigator by the name of L to find who find out who Kira is and stop Kira from killing people. And its story goes on. And there's lots of permutations. I could talk a lot about it. Death Note's a really good series. It's a lot, um, uh, very psychological and very logical series. Uh, the one thing I will say, it's also very Japanese. So there's some things in it that American audience, there's no way they'd understand it. Like the fact that Light is the son of a detective, and he serves as a part-time um, detective with the law enforcement agency, and he's in high school. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, it, it's a Japanese thing, right? It's weird. Uh, the L is this reclusive guy who's very passive. He basically is a social um, hermit and won't interact with people. But he's this he's Sherlock Holmes, right? And so you see this kind of war of wills between these two characters, who are both teenagers, by the way. Again, kind of a Japanese conceit because of who the um, right. media is aimed at. So Netflix bought the rights to convert it to an English American movie and they animated. It is not it is live action. So it's good, right? Netflix has a really good track record with adapt adaptations. So I don't think I want to speak to that at the moment, but I will say um, this is not a good adaptation. They, they probably could have gotten a lot further if they had just not tried to keep 
the names and some of the characteristics of the characters from the Japanese version. If they had just said it's a Death Note story and built an original scenario and kind of an original concept for this, I think even fans of Death Note probably would have gone along with it. Biggest change. And, and then again, I tried to watch this and I got 20 minutes into it and I'm just like, oh my God, I can't do this. They're in Seattle. So, okay, you transplant it from Japan to Seattle. That kind of works. Um, the main character of Light is, his. I guess his mother has just died, and so he's doing all these emotional outbursts. But they showed that he's smart because he's writing term papers for other kids, and so he gets in trouble for that after he gets beaten, like unconscious, by a bully. And this other girl who he was trying to defend in this inner. Uh, altercation goes and gets a teacher teacher comes and basically gives him detention and basically threatens to expel him because he had these you know forged uh, student papers which he wrote for other students he was selling them and he's like well i don't care that you got beaten within an inch of your life you know this is academic misconduct and you're lucky i don't throw you out of here i'm just going to chalk it up to the fact your mom just died this is all in the first 20 minutes of the movie and oh the and so the first scene is very similar to the manga where the Death Note falls out of the sky right in front of light and he finds it and he starts looking through it and trying to figure it out. And then Ryuk, who's this god of death that's connected, does show up. But light has no sense of calm. He's a screamy American teenager. All the kids around him are yelly and screamy and shouty. Um... Within the first day of having the note, he shows it to somebody, which is, by the way, a big issue in the manga series where he doesn't reveal that he's got this thing because he doesn't want anybody to know he's got it because he loses his power, right? If somebody else knows his secret, then he can't operate what he's trying to do with his higher moral character and all this. It's a mess. If you're a fan of Death Note, do not watch it. Run as fast as you can away from it. Just don't. And if you're interested in Death Note, hey, Hulu's got Death Note on it. I believe uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation both have Death Note. Go watch the original animes. They're worth the time. They're really good stories. So my one dumb thing this week is Netflix adapting Death Note. And, and if you'll think back to the last few episodes, I've mentioned I was looking forward to this, even though I kind of knew it was going to end this way. Oh, my God, did it end this way. It's disappointing. Yeah, How long we, do you think they're going to keep it on the service? Oh, it'll be there forever because Netflix made it. Yeah. I mean, there's still episodes of shows that they made that nobody watched that are available. It's not going anywhere. Netflix owns it. All right. Just don't do them a favor. Don't even out of curiosity watch it. Don't give them any satisfaction. It's not even good because of how bad it is. No, it's, it's not bad. like a riff tracks kind of yeah. good. It's It's just horrible. Okay, uh, last of our one dumb things. Uh, lately, Congress tried to be cool. They tried to put a, a bill in. But here's a direct quote. That is the funniest statement I think I've ever heard. Congress tried to be cool. Here, here's here's the quote from from this bill. or uh, I don't remember, but it's not important. This was, this was actually written. This is verbatim. The Legend of Zelda series is Nintendo's best-selling video game franchise enjoyed by more than two generations of gamers. The action-adventure game was released in 1986, only one year after Nintendo's founding in 1985. <laughs> and you know what else was released in 1986? Yeah, you do. The last major reform to the American tax code was signed into law in 1986. 
There is so much wrong. There's so much <laughs> wrong. First off, Nintendo's been around for over a hundred years. They made playing cards. They made playing cards. They've made toys. They helped they make airplanes. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, secondly, The Legend of Zelda didn't release in the States until about 1987 and later. Um, it's it's weird that they released put on here the the Famicom Disk System release date in Japan. Um, also, you know, you know me. Uh, you know, yeah, you do. I'm huge into tax code, and I'm huge into Legend of Zelda. Who was the audience for this message? <laughs> what the actual F? <laughs> and so, I... This is a really disappointing statement to come out of the U.S. Congress, the austere body that it has been lately, with the the integrity of hundreds of years of governance over the American people. I can't believe this must have been some intern or millennial who wrote this. <laughs> this does not sound like a millennial. <laughs> this sounds like a... Re- you know, <laughs> don't read it with that voice. God, don't don't read it with that voice. So let's just leave this as our last one dumb thing and kind of our final thought for the week. Yeah, yeah. Just why? 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 Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. As always, please don't comment on Twitter or Facebook because we're not going to answer you because you're definitely doing it now, and we're not going to answer you. Or you could try. And we might answer you. You could try. You could put yourself out there and let us know what you're interested in. We might talk about it. We might not. If it's not something we're interested in, we're probably not going to talk about it. Let's but, be honest. You know what? There may be, we might be able to meet up and find somewhere. This is almost like the echo chamber of social media. Oh my gosh. If you agree with everything that we think. Like us and share us and subscribe. Why won't anybody listen to me? Um, well, we have numbers that say that nobody's listening to you. Well, nobody listens to me in real life. So how's a <laughs> podcast different? Yeah. Um, no, but seriously, we want to hear from you. The Kyle's out there, the Sean's out there that aren't of the signs variety. <laughs> um, comment, let us know what you want to hear about. Was there a dumb thing we missed? Let us know. All Until right. the next episode. I'm Sean. And I'm not. Wait. We messed that up.